You're listening to the City Hope Church podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today, and we hope this can inspire you and build your faith. Enjoy the message. Today, uh, we are continuing a series. We're continuing this series on forgiveness. And I got to say this, this this message is um, a little bit different for me. Uh, just because there is no humor in this message at all. <laughs> and so I'm not trying to tell any jokes or anything today. And so I don't, I don't have a, unfortunately, I don't have any jokes for you or anything because we have a pretty serious topic uh, that, covers, uh, that, that covers it. But I do, I do have one joke. Can I try it? Yes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try it at, the, at, at this service, and then we'll see if it makes the cut at the, at the 11 o'clock. We'll see which one we keep. Uh, okay, here's the joke. Are you ready? You ready? Okay, this boy uh, went to Sunday school class, and he was talking, the, uh, the, the teacher was talking all about forgiveness and how important it is to give and to receive forgiveness. And so uh, the, the teacher said, I challenge you uh, this week to go home and, and put this into action and, and try, to, try to use, uh, try, to, try to have either forgive somebody or, or you know, receive forgiveness from somebody else. And so the boy came back, and the next Sunday... And he said, okay, um, I, I, I've, put this, I've, I've put this into action. And the teacher said, well, how? And uh, the boy said, well, you know, my neighbor had this really nice bicycle across the street, and I really wanted it. And so he said, I, I stole that bicycle, and then he had to forgive me because I stole it. And so, <laughs> all right, that was kind of funny. All right, a few laughs. It might not make it to the next one. Uh, well, <laughs> I thought, hey, it's hard to find forgiveness jokes, okay? And uh, anyway, but today I, I do have a message uh, that I feel like God has put on my heart uh, that I am excited for. And uh, we, if you've missed the past couple of weeks, we have been talking about what it means to forgive. We've talked about what forgiveness is and what forgiveness is not. If you missed last week, we talked about forgiving God. And we talked about how we don't really have to forgive God because he never does anything wrong. But many of us, we hold a grudge against him. And so we have this hard heart towards God, and we talked about how to get our, uh, our heart right towards Him. And today, I'm going to talk about one of the most, I feel like, one of the most difficult uh, people to forgive in your life. Uh, and that, that person, the most difficult person to forgive in your life, is so often yourself. So often, it's just you. Because uh, the, the question really becomes, how do you forgive yourself when you maybe maybe you hurt someone that you really love, uh, maybe when you did something you knew that you shouldn't have done, or maybe you did maybe you've just done something that you just wish if you could go back in time you wish you could undo that very thing. And many of us we have stories like that. We all have a story. Uh, we all we and and what what makes it hurt even worse is this fact that we we know what we did, like we know what we thought about. We know, the, we know the internal thoughts that we've had. We know what we said to that person. And for some of us, it's even we know what we didn't do that we should have done. You ever do something like that? Like I, I mean, there, there's, there's, every once in a while, there's opportunities in my life where I'm like, man, I should have talked to that person or I should have took more time. I should have listened better. Like we all know what we should have done. And so many of us were, were deeply ashamed of what, what, what we should have done or what we did do, and we just can't let it go. And so the question today really is this, how do I forgive myself? How can I forgive myself? 
And you know, if you're like me, I, sometimes, I, and I, I, talked, I talked a little bit last week about how, how, how dudes can just be dudes, right? Guys can just be guys. And like, sometimes we say stupid things, and I fall into that category, everyone. Like, sometimes I just say things that are just so stupid. You know, like, it just comes out. Like, I just see it, and I just say it. And I, I'm telling you, it's a, it's a serious issue for me, because then I, I say things that I regret, and then I, I don't want to forgive myself. I, I, I can't believe I said that. And that's a real issue for me. And there's this guilt and shame that weighs down on me because I'm like, man, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. And I don't know what it is for you. That's what, that's what a lot of this guilt is for me is maybe something that I've said in the past. But maybe for you, it's something way more serious. Maybe for you, it's uh, maybe you, you just, you drank too much last night. You know, I don't know what it is. And, and you did, maybe you did something stupid that you can't undo. And you feel like you just can't ever forgive yourself. Maybe, uh, maybe for some of you, you, you are, were desperate and you, were, you made a decision that you couldn't redo. And you feel like you're never, going to, you're never going to live past that bad decision. Maybe for some of you in this room, maybe you, maybe you worked and worked for your family. And maybe you thought that that was the right thing to do, but then in the end... You actually, by working so much for your family, you actually neglected your family, and now you feel like you can't get that time back, and you don't know what to do, and you feel like, how could I ever forgive myself for that? Maybe some of you, maybe it's a different idea. Maybe some of you really, really love God, but you still seem to slip up every day, or you still seem to dishonor him every single day. You look at the wrong things. You, you're hanging out with the wrong people and, and you just can't forgive yourself because you're in the wrong crowd. Maybe at one point in your life you were, you were bored or dissatisfied in your marriage. And maybe you betrayed your wedding vows at one point. And you ask yourself, how could I ever forgive myself? How could I ever forgive myself for that? And maybe you just have this shame and this guilt that just feels overwhelming that has just taken over in your life. And the question is, what do you do? What do you do when the shame, when the guilt, it just haunts you, and when, the, when it just won't go away? What do you do? And so today I want to I show you some examples in Scripture of some people who messed, up, messed it up. Because, by the way, you're not the only person to mess it up. Can I say it again? You're not the only person to mess it up. Does that feel good, everybody? Like, I think it should. Listen, Scripture is full of people who have messed it up. And not only that, but they felt the shilt. Uh, the, the shilt. What is that? <laughs> that was guilt and shame together, the shilt. Uh, <laughs> they felt the guilt and the shame, and, and, and they understand what it is. And so what I'm calling this message is, why can't I forgive myself. Why can't I forgive myself? And I want to start today by acknowledging, you need to understand this one fact before we get into this. It's simply this, that not all guilt is created equal. Not all guilt that you face in your life is created equal. You say, Pastor Noah, explain. Well, some of you are living under what I would call false guilt, Meaning that you're carrying something that just isn't your fault. That you're bearing the weight of the guilt and the shame on you of things that just really aren't your fault. Give you a classic example. 
I think the most classic example of this that we see in our, our, our culture today is with, especially with kids, and maybe you're grown now, but when your parents get divorced, many people are living in a split family now. And many people, when, when their parents get divorced, they feel like it's their fault. Many times the kids take on the shame and the guilt, feeling like, man, I, I think that was my fault. What if, if I could have just done a little bit more? If I would have just said this, if I would have not acted so stupid, if I, would have, if I would have tried to push them together instead of apart, then maybe it could have saved their marriage. And all of a sudden, there's all this guilt that comes upon the kids. And can I tell you, that's not your fault. <laughs> You're not responsible for somebody else's actions. It's a false guilt. I'll tell you another case that we see this all the time. We will receive false guilt. Is anyone who's ever been abused, many people who have ever been abused, whether it's, it's sexually abused, mentally abused, physically abused, what, what, whatever, any type of a, an abuse, many abuse victims feel like that they did something to deserve it, that it was their fault, that they put themselves in the wrong place at the wrong time, and the victim always feels ashamed and thinks that they did something wrong. Can I tell you, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's a false guilt. It's a false shame that you have on yourself. You know, I, I bet every single one of us in this room fall into this category. Maybe we know someone who's taken their own life before. And you think, if I could have just been there, or if I could have just said this, or maybe when they did it, you guys, you weren't friends, or you weren't close, and you thought, well, maybe it's because we weren't close, and I just wish I could have said one more thing. I wish I could have saved it. Can I just tell you this morning, it's not your fault. Unfortunately, they made the wrong decision. And you don't have to live your life with that false guilt on you and that shame forever. It's a false guilt. And you know what false guilt does? False guilt is always bad. It's always destructive. It's always dangerous. It is the enemy trying to literally put guilt and shame that is not yours to bear. It's not yours. But can I tell you, there is another type of guilt. Actually, there's another type of guilt that can actually be a gift to you. Instead of a burden on you, this type of guilt can actually draw you closer to God. Let me show you in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. It says this. It says, look at this. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves what? It leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. I talked to you about worldly sorrow. Let's talk about godly sorrow for just a moment. Godly sorrow is that feeling of conviction that you and I have as Christ followers of when we do something wrong. You know what I'm talking about when the Holy Spirit, has the Holy Spirit just ever convicted you of doing something before? And you just, you just know it. And, but you also know, you know, you know what? What I did was wrong, and I'm sorry for it. It leads you to repentance. That leads you back to salvation. And can I tell you, this type 
of this, uh, this type of godly sorrow, this type of conviction here can actually be helpful for you. It actually, what this does is God's trying to take us off the wrong path and put us on the right path. He's trying to show us where we need to go. In fact, this is, this is a godly sorrow that says, you know what? It says, I don't want to live like this anymore. I can't do this anymore. You know what? I want to change. I need to change my behavior, or I need to apologize, or I need to, I need to go and heal what's been hurt. I, it, it's the sorrow that leads us to freedom that's found in Christ. And can I tell you, there's a big difference between this godly sorrow and worldly sorrow. In fact, a good example, I think, of godly sorrow that we see in Scripture would be uh, someone... Someone who experiences firsthand is a guy by the name of Peter. Does everybody know who Peter was? One of Jesus' disciples. And not only that, but he was like the close one to Jesus, right? He was, he was Jesus' friend. He was, if there was the 12, he was the three. You know, he was just right there. I, I'm right there with you, Jesus. That's who Peter was. And many of us can probably relate to Peter. And honestly, when we think about Peter's whole story... Peter had some really great qualities. He was a good dude. Like he had, he had some, he did some great things. But just like so many of us, Peter also had some blind spots. He had some things like when when he did when he did something wrong, it was like he did something stupid on steroids. Like that's what he was like. It was, it was like a big you ever feel like that sometimes? Like you just, you're just working for God. You're just doing all the right things. And then all of a sudden you like just royally screw it up. You know what I mean? Like how can I ever, that was Peter. That was Peter. That, that, that's, that's, that's what he did. One, he was honoring God and then one day just really, really, really screwed it up. And that's who he was. And unfortunately, just like you, this can be me as well. <laughs> I mean, I feel like every once in a while I get like, I'm on fire for God and doing great things for him. And then all of a sudden, boom, you know, like what, what happened in my life? And, and this, is, this is Peter's story. Peter loved Jesus. In fact, one day Peter loved Jesus so much that he bragged on himself a little bit about how much he loved Jesus. <laughs> he was, Peter actually told Jesus that, that Jesus, he basically said this. He said, Jesus Everyone else might betray you. Everyone else might let you down one day. But Jesus, I am here for you. I am in your corner. I'll never leave you. I'm not going to let you down. And the funny thing is, is that as he's bragging on himself to Jesus, Jesus turns to Peter and he says, Hey, Peter, before the rooster crows tonight, you're going to deny me three different times. Like, don't be bragging. Jesus is like, don't be bragging on yourself yet, Peter, because you're going to deny me three times before this is all over with. And what you say, well, what happens? Well, that's honestly exactly what happens. The story goes, Jesus actually gets arrested that night. This is where Jesus would, would go to the cross. And as Jesus was arrested, um, Peter was there, and Peter did what Jesus said. He cowered down. And in fact, the story goes, there's this little girl that comes up to Peter and says, hey, hey, weren't you the guy with Jesus? And Peter just basically says, Jesus who? And then the, there's a second lady that approaches Peter and he says, yeah, you, weren't you the one walking around with him? And Peter says, no, I, 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 don't, I don't know him. And then we pick up the story in Luke chapter 22, verse 59, it says about an hour later, Another person asserted, said, man, certainly this fellow 
Certainly, he was, they, he was with him, for he's a Galilean. And Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know this man. And take a look at this. This is a little detail that I saw this week that I've, I haven't seen before. Just as he was speaking, just as Jesus said, the rooster crows, and the Lord Jesus, Jesus turned and looked straight at Peter. Can you imagine being Peter at this moment? Just hours ago, I'll never deny you, Jesus. I'll do whatever it takes. And he denies him three times. Imagine what it feels like to lock eyes with Jesus and know that you've done wrong. And Peter remembered the word that was spoken to him before the rooster crows today. You'll disown me three times. And Peter went outside and he wept bitterly. I want to show you how this is a godly sorrow. Because a godly sorrow says, I can't believe I did that. It, it, it weeps bitterly, knowing that I'm wrong and I'm in need of forgiveness, that I'm so stupid. Like I, I, have you ever just felt like that before? Like, I can't believe I did it. And some of us, like, some of us, we've done some things in the middle. Like, we've had some really great and awesome intentions, but then we still let people down. Yeah, I was going to fight for Jesus, but then I kind of scared. Kind of got scared. But what godly sorrow says is, hey, I know I did wrong. I'll never do it again. And some of us, that's where we are. In the middle of our best intentions, in the middle of us saying, I'll never do it again. Uh, then some of us, a short time later, we, we do it again. Let me give you an example. Some of us, maybe you truly love someone, but in a moment of anger, you say something that is hurtful and that you end up regretting for years. Maybe you say that you would never do something like Peter. I would never, ever do that. But when you do, you, you wake up, one day you wake up and you do that thing that you said you would never, ever do. And then you say, I can't believe I did that. How could I be so stupid? How could God ever love someone like me? How could God ever love someone who, who never gets it right? How would I ever get past what I did? I feel so ashamed. Can I tell you, the moment where you're like Peter here, the moment where you do the very thing that you say you've never, you, you never thought that you were going to do. The moment you are there, the devil has you exactly where he wants you. Because he wants you, the, the moment that you're dwelling in your shame, the spiritual enemy has you right in a corner. You know why? It's because shame is the devil's playground. That's where he wants you. He would love nothing more than to put you in a corner to say, hey, you should feel so ashamed for what you did. And can I tell you, there's a big difference between the godly sorrow that we've talked about, the guilt that we've talked about, and the shame that the devil tries to bring in your life. In fact, let me show you. You say, well, what's the difference? Well, guilt says, a godly guilt says, I did something bad. 
And even though I did something bad, it's an act, it's what I did, and it's forgivable. But what the devil tries to do is he tries to make it personal. He tries to say that because you did something bad, he tries to throw this shame on you and say, I am, that's who I am. I am a bad person. And the devil would love to shame you into believing that your actions identify who you are. Your actions make exactly who you are. He wants to create this false sense of shame in your life. He wants you to feel bad. And he wants, honestly, he wants you to believe that you are bad, that you are pathetic, that you are worthless. He wants to talk to you and say, oh, Noah, because you did that, there's no hope for your life. You are, you're a failure. God will never use you. You'll never be happy again. You'll never be blessed. You messed it up big time this time. You'll never get past this. God will never do anything in your life because of what you did. That's what the devil tries to say to you. He tries to lie to you and say, that's who you are. You are bad. And because you are bad, you'll never be happy again. You'll never, you'll never have a good marriage again. You'll never make a difference again. You'll never, ever leave a legacy because you are bad. That you'll always, the devil wants to shame you into believing that you'll always be marked by the things that you did. And he wants you to personalize it. And he wants you to believe that you are bad. In fact, I think the devil wants you to think. In fact, I hear, I hear people say this all the time. I feel so horrible for them. Because there's people who say to me, well, the pain that I'm experiencing is just the punishment for what I've done in the past. And can I tell you, that is not the life that God has for you. God does not want to punish you for the things that you've done in your past. Instead, he offers freedom. Instead, he sent his son Jesus to die in your place. That's what he wants you to have freedom. And the pain, if you believe that you're going through pain for what you've done in your past, it is a lie from the enemy who tries to make you believe that you are bad. I'm just telling you, the moment that you begin to dwell in your shame, the spiritual enemy has you right where he wants you. And you can almost imagine what Peter is feeling at this point, right? I mean, Peter, can you imagine what the enemy is trying to say to Peter? <laughs> hey, Peter, you blew it big time. Like, you've screwed it up. Like, Jesus trusted you. Like, you were one of the 12 who got to be with Jesus, and you messed it up. And not only that, but you were, like, close. You know, like, you were the, you, you were the close one to Jesus, and you betrayed him. And can you, I could just imagine the enemy just in Peter's ear saying, oh yeah, and you want it better? Then Jesus even saw it. Did you see the way that he looked at you? Did he see, did you, did, your life is now over. Your ministry's ruined. You should be ashamed of yourself. Can I tell you, the devil wants to use your shame to drive you away from God. He wants, you, he wants to say to you that you're not good enough for God, that he'll never accept you again, that you'll never measure up, that after what you did, after, after Peter, after the way that Jesus looked at you, how could you ever serve him again, that God will never love you again? But can I tell you that God wants to use your guilt to draw you to his grace? He wants to draw you close to his grace. And can I tell you, a godly sorrow is actually a safe place for you to turn. It's a safe place for you to go. Because you have a God 
who loves you, who cares about you, who receives you, who wants you. In fact, scripture says that his mercies are new every morning. Every single morning, like you wake up and you got a fresh start. All you got to do is receive it. I'm thankful that I serve a God whose mercies are new. While the devil wants to try to shame you, while the devil wants to try to take you away from God, while the devil wants to say that you'll never be successful, that you'll never be fulfilled, that you'll never be anything significant or meaningful, our God says, no, 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 that's not the case. Our God is good, and he wants to provide a healthy guilt that'll actually draw you closer to his heart, that'll actually make you more like him, and that will actually, that his grace, his grace is big enough to cover it and for you to begin to receive his mercy. And, you know, I wanted to close with this. It's really what we see, the, the story of Peter, the, between the, the, the godly guilt and the shame that the devil wants to give to you. It's the difference between what happened to Peter and what happened to Judas in the story. I mean, essentially, Peter and Judas committed the same sin. They both betrayed Jesus, both of them just in different ways. Peter denied Jesus three times. Judas betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver, literally sold him off. The same sin, both of them betrayed Jesus. But Judas had what many of us have. In his shame, he allowed the enemy to drive him away from the Lord. He experienced that worldly sorrow that we saw in scripture. He got caught. He was embarrassed. He was ashamed. Felt like he could never, ever face God again. And what happened to Judas? One of the other 12 disciples, Judas, in his shame, he literally separated himself from God by taking his own life. Because he allowed the shame of the enemy to take control of him. Because shame is the devil's playground. But Peter, who was similar, right? He experienced this godly sorrow. He experienced this wrong sorrow, or he experienced this godly sorrow that actually leads us to repentance. Peter felt that what he did was wrong. Peter knew that what he did, he was sorry for what he did. And that led to repentance. And you say, well, Pastor Noah, You've been talking about this word repentance. What in the world does repentance mean? Can I tell you, repentance just means to simply change directions. It means that I was, I was heading this direction, but now I'm going to turn around. I'm going to go the opposite direction. That's what repentance is. It's literally turning around. It's saying, God, I'm sorry. God, I, I, I never want to live like that again. And God, I know that I spent so many years doing this. And God, I never want to treat someone like that again. God, I never, I never want to talk like that again. God, I want to find freedom. And God, I want to be a voice of help to those who are hurting and those who have gone through the same thing that I've done. I've acknowledged, I acknowledge my sin, Lord. It's accepting that, hey, this is what I did. That truly, this is, this is what I did. No excuses. I'm not going to make, listen, a godly sorrow is not making excuses for what you did. It's not saying, well, what I did wasn't so bad compared to somebody else. No, it's saying, yes, what I did was wrong. And I'm not making excuses 
But I'm committing to you, and some of you today are, some of you are going to commit to, to God. You're going to commit to him today, and you're going to say, you know what? I want, to, I want to lead myself into repentance. I want to turn the other way because godly sorrow, that godly guilt, actually leads you to repentance. And I tell you, that's the good news because what happens in Peter's story is, is Peter and Jesus, they lock eyes, and the rooster crows, and Peter weeps. And Jesus would go on to die on a cross and give his whole, give his entire life. And you know why Jesus would die for you? For forgiveness, right? For the forgiveness for your sins. In fact, the one who was completely perfect, Jesus, he literally became sin. He became all your past. He became your failures. He became everything that you've done wrong. And he died in your place. It's incredible. He died in your place. And literally, Scripture talks about how that day the world went dark. And then three days later, in that tomb, the stone rolled away. And the tomb was empty. And Jesus was not there. He was risen from the grave. God raised him from the dead. You know why? So that we can be forgiven. So that we don't have to hold on to that shame and guilt. So that we could experience his grace. And you know, the good news is, and how this story with Peter ends, is if you want to study it, it's in John 21. In John chapter 21, Jesus appears to Peter after he's been resurrected. He appears to Peter, which by the way, the very person that failed him three times, remember, right? He appears to this guy, and Jesus looks at Peter And he asks a very simple question. He looks at Peter and he just says, do you love me? Can you imagine the last time Peter looked in Jesus's eyes, the shame and the guilt that he must have felt. But now Jesus is looking right back to him today and saying, do you love me? And Peter responds and says, yes, yes, Lord. I love you. Basically, I just did something stupid. (laughs) Yes, Lord, I love you. You know, isn't that the way it is for us sometimes? Yes, Jesus. Yes, Lord, I I love you. (laughs) And yes, Lord, I want, I want, and everything in me wants to do what's right. In fact, Scripture talks about Literally, the, the, the back and forth that happens, it, Peter says, Peter says, or Jesus says, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you. And Jesus asks that question again, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you. And Jesus asks one more time, says, Peter, do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord, I love you. In fact, the little commentary that I read this week said that Peter asked the question three times as if it was a reversal of the three times that Peter denied Jesus. Ain't it incredible? And I want you to notice, let me tell you what Jesus did not say when he returned to Peter. Jesus didn't say, I told you so. (laughs) I told you you would do it. I want you to sit here, Peter, and think about what you did and think about how you felt, right? I want you to think about just wallowing your sins for a little bit. That's not what Jesus said. 
Well, he said, Peter, do you love me? And he said, if you love me, he says, feed my sheep. Essentially what he says, Peter, if you love me, you're going to do my will. You're going to show my love to other people. You're going you're to finish the assignment because you've been forgiven. Essentially, he says, Peter, if you love me, do what I created you to do. Do what I created you to do and tell people about the forgiveness that you've received. And I also want you to notice that's what Jesus says, but notice what Peter didn't say. <laughs> Peter didn't sit there and say, oh, sorry, Jesus, I just can't receive it from you. <laughs> I've been too bad. I just can't receive it from you. I'll never get over it. I don't deserve it. Your grace is too much for me. That's not what Peter said. Peter didn't do that. But how many of us do that every single day? Oh, Jesus, you couldn't really forgive me. Oh, you, you know what I've done. I, I, I deserve to live like this. Some of us literally feel like we deserve just to live in our shame and guilt. That's not what Peter did. No, Peter acknowledged his sin. He repented. He received Jesus' forgiveness. And can I tell you, I don't know what you're in here today holding. Some of you, you're holding on to things that maybe you've done years and years ago. Or maybe it's something that you feel like you should have done years and years ago and you never did do. Something that still weighs on you. And can I just tell you, if you've confessed it to Jesus, you are forgiven. You just need to know it. You are forgiven. And can I tell you, it is time for you to let it go. Let it go. And no, I'm not going to start singing like the Disney princesses, everyone. I know. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that was like Ibley's favorite movie. <laughs> we'll talk later. It, uh, I need to ask for forgiveness right now. Uh, oh. Honestly, I think it was. I mean, we, we've listened. I mean, I, honestly, I don't care to ever hear that song again. And, uh, <laughs> but I can use it in a message, everyone. I'll, pre- I'll let it go, baby. <laughs> but I, uh, seriously, I, I am calling you because some of you, you are bearing some things that you shouldn't. And it is time to let it go. In fact, what, this, this is what scripture says. If we confess our sins, God is faithful. He's faithful. And he is just, and he will forgive us our sins, and he'll purify us from all unrighteousness. And I'm just telling you, church, it is time to let it go. Like, if you've, if you've taken it before God, Jesus has covered it, and he doesn't hold it against you. He's forgotten it, and you are free. In fact, I'll say it like this. Don't let the pain of the past rob you from God's calling for your life. Let it go. And some of you today, you need to let go of the neglect. You need to let go of the lies. You need to let go of the deceit that you're holding on to, the cheating, the lust, the bad decisions that you've made, the words that you said that you wish you wouldn't have said. It is time to let it go. Because the truth is, no matter how hard you try and no matter how hard you want it, you can't change your past, but God can change your future. You can't change it, but he can. And so when he says to let it go, let it be forgiven. And so some of you in this room, some of you, you wasted years and years of your life struggling with an addiction. And it weighs on you every day. 
And I'm calling you today to let it go and live free. Jesus says, live free. And what if you help others along the way who struggle with the same thing? Some of you, maybe you, you feel like you just let God down or you let others down or you let yourself down. It's time to let it go. Some of you, you feel like maybe you betrayed your spouse. It is time, hey, put it in the past. Now is the time to be faithful and to let it go and to move on. Some of you, maybe you did something last night. Maybe you went to bed with someone you shouldn't have last night. It is time to, let's cut ties today and let it go. Maybe you smoked something you shouldn't have last night, everybody. It is time to quit and let it go and be free from it. And don't let that past, don't let it hold the shame in your heart. Let it go. But here's what's going to happen. And I'm warning you, your spiritual enemy, the devil, is going to try to bring it back up. And you're going to walk out of church today, and he's going to give you every opportunity to jump right back into it, to re be right back where you are. He's going to remind you, well, even if you, he's going to say things like, well, even if you think you are free, you still did it, and you still said that, and, and, and you still weren't there for them, and you still let them down, and you still can't undo that. Listen, anytime the devil brings up your past, remind the devil, because the devil brings up your past because he's intimidated by your future, because he knows that God has a hand upon you, that he knows that God is still working in you, that his grace is sufficient for you, that his his power can still work through you. You need to remind yourself that the enemy is trying to talk you out of God's potential for your life. I mean, think about Peter. And here's what I love. Are you ready? Here's the redemptive power of God. This is, this is what I love about stories like this. Let me ask you this question. Who did God choose to be the guest speaker on the day of Pentecost when he poured out his spirit. There's literally a story in Acts where one guy preaches to thousands of people and thousands of people get saved right there, just right, th right there at the beginning of this whole Christian movement. Who was the guy? Come on, somebody. It's Peter. That's who it is. And what was Peter's message? If I tell you, it was simple and powerful. It was repent and turn from your sins, call on Jesus and be saved. Think about the guy who God chose to lead people to his grace. He didn't choose someone, the most perfect and holy disciple over here. <laughs> Andrew, you're it. You, this is, you're, you've been the best, you know? No, he chose, I think he chose the person <laughs> who had experienced the forgiveness that he was talking about. And I just, he chose someone who had been faithful and not, not someone who had just been faithful, but someone who had been forgiven of much. And I'm telling you, it, it can be the same for your story. And some of you, you've just let shame stand in the way from your story. And I'm just here to tell you, it's not who you are. That the devil wants you to connect your identity to what you've done and he wants you to say that he wants to say to you that you're you're always going to be bad but can I tell you Jesus makes all things new and you can say to the enemy today this is not you know this this may this is what I did and I acknowledge that what I did was wrong but it's not who I am I am a child of God and yeah, that might be a bad page in my book and that might be a bad chapter of my life. You might have a couple chapters of your life that you just wish you could rip out. But listen, the story isn't over. In fact, Philippians 
1.6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on into completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So I'm here to tell you today, whatever the guilt, whatever the shame, whatever that weight is on you, take it to the one who died in your place. Confess it, repent, turn around, go the other, let's go the other direction and let's find freedom and let's help other people experience the same thing. Are you in church? Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Oh, Lord, we just thank you so much for what you did on that cross today. Lord, we just reflect of the sacrifice that you made for every one of us on that cross. Lord, that you would take the pain and punishment that we deserve so that we can live free today. Lord, thank you for it. Father, I pray for every person in this room who feels captured by the shame that the devil is trying to put on them in their life. Lord, it's been shame from maybe years ago. Maybe it's just shame from last night. Lord, I say we cover that by what you did on the cross with your blood, Lord. We cover that guilt and that shame, Lord. We cover it today in Jesus' name. And Lord, today as a church, we stand and we say that we're going to turn from our sins, that we will repent. Lord, we acknowledge that what we did was wrong. Lord, we acknowledge that what we did, we shouldn't have done. That, Lord, it wasn't right of us. And so, Lord, we're sorry. And Lord, many of us, maybe right here in this room right now, Lord, maybe we just weep like Peter did. And Lord, we, we, we cry and we weep because we're sorry for what we've done. And we know that we shouldn't have done it. But Lord, we know that your grace is sufficient for us and that your mercies are new every morning. And so Lord, we ask for just a fresh anointing on our life. Lord, take the guilt away. Take the shame away. Lord, help us to live free. Freedom. I just, I just declare freedom. Lord, we just, in this area, I just pray for Murfreesboro right now. Lord, there's so many in this, in, in, this, in this region that just needs this message of freedom, that they are not who, they, who, who they've been told. They are not what the enemy says they are. No, they can live free, that we can, have, we can see a region that lives free in Christ. I proclaim that today in Jesus' name. Freedom, freedom in our lives. Freedom in this area, Lord. Lord, we're not going to live bound by the guilt and shame that the enemy wants us. We're not going to identify with it. It is not who we are, Lord. We are your children. We were bought with the highest price possible. Lord, you've named us. Lord, you knew us before you even created us, is what Scripture says. Thank you, Lord, for choosing us to follow you. And so, Lord, right now, we repent from the wrong things that we've done, and we turn to you. Lord, we seek your face. Lord, help us to live free. And, Lord, help us to share the freedom that we have with everyone around us. We love you, Lord. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name. With your heads bowed, eyes closed. Some of you have literally never received the freedom and the forgiveness that I've talked about. And I've told you the whole story today about Jesus dying in your place. And some of you, it is your time. Today is the day for you to make that decision that I'm going to follow him, that I'm going to trust in him. Scripture says that if you confess with your mouth, you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that you can be saved. Today is the day, I'm believing, today is the day that you're going to have some freedom in your heart. That God's going God's to lift that, that shame on your life and he's going to give you a new name. 
You are not bad. You are who he says you are. You are a child of God, and you're going to receive that today. And so if that's you in this room, would you pray this prayer with me? In fact, the whole church is going to pray it because we all believe it. But just say this after me and mean it. Say this. Say, dear God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on a cross in my place. And thank you for raising him from the dead three days later. Confess it. Say this. Say, Jesus, I make you my Lord. I give you my life. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for my freedom. And thank you for giving me the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen, amen. Would you get up for all the people who prayed that prayer this morning?